0: Happy Advent, Holy Family. Now, I know that for many of us, the very day after we finish trying to subvert the re narration of a problematic celebration of hegemonic subjugation, in hopes that God might transform our familial tables of fellowship into a proper Eucharistic extension, Thanksgiving, um, or in my house the day after Halloween. We instantly click into Christmas mode, and we put the decor up, we play the Mariah Carey Christmas album, let's start talking about your house, not mine, and we just go there quickly, Christmas. However, in the church's calendar, in liturgical time, Christmas is actually a 12-day feast. Did you know that? Christmas lasts for 12 days. And it starts on December 25th. So you've heard that song, the 12 days of Christmas. Those are not the 12 days leading up to Christmas. December 25th starts 12 days. So, you know, like keep your Christmas party going, reserve some gifts, keep like, if you really want to you know how sometimes people act like there's like, what do they call that? A war on Christmas or something like Just wait until January 2nd and still tell them Merry Christmas. They don't really um, make their minds blow. Um, Now, the 12 days of Christmas is leading up to Christmas, but that means we're not yet in Christmas in the church's time. We still have a ways to go. We have a time to wait. And if you've ever worked with me on a project, you know I hate to wait. I want it yesterday. But Advent is called the season of waiting. Now, you might not know this, but at least in the medieval church, the four Sundays of Advent were reserved for exploring what the church calls the last four things. Did you know this? It's real cheery. Advent was a season where they said, okay, week one, we'll talk about death. Week two, we'll talk about judgment. Week three, we'll talk about hell. And then week four, we'll talk about heaven. Tis the season. And it doesn't take much imagination for you to see why some churches have tried to soften that blow by turning Advent's themes into love and joy and peace and hope. But the theological word for what we're talking about in the end is the word eschatology how it's all going to come to an end. There's lots of eschatologies available today. Maybe it'll just be another big bang or the big crunch or a big rip. You've heard of the big bounce theory. The one that seems to be gaining more popularity more and more is that it's just going to be a big freeze. That's how it all comes to an end. Now, some strands of American Christianity have created entire cottage industries off predicting how and when it's all going to come to an end, and they've even made movies and uh, TV shows uh, off of this fear of the end. But for our preaching here at this church, I want to keep it much more simple. Let's not even worry about the last four things, where love and joy and peace and hope, like much more on the bottom shelf. What does the word Advent actually mean? It means coming. That's all it means. Coming. Advent is about Jesus Christ coming. And if you want to bring the Bible into it, which as a preacher, I would like to, A phrase that you will not find in the Bible is the second coming. That phrase does not exist in the Bible. There is no such thing as, quote, the second coming of Christ. Are there ideas that might suggest something like that? Yeah, if you squint hard enough, but that phrase itself does not belong in the Bible. There is no second coming. In the Bible, Jesus is always described as the one who is coming. That's who Jesus is. Not one day he'll come, but he's coming right now. And Advent is the time that we orient or reorient ourselves to the living God who is always coming closer. That's your eschatology according to the Bible. Jesus Christ is always and forever coming closer. Advent calls us to live our entire lives always anticipating all of the different ways that Jesus Christ is coming closer to us right here, right now. And there is a way of telling the story of Jesus that says, well, Holy Week was pretty exciting and he resurrected, but then he ascended. And when he ascended, he just kind of vanished and went away and retired from ministry and kind of just said, it's it's up to you now. And so we're all basically sitting around waiting, saying, is he going to come back soon? Are there signs? How can we guess? How can we predict? And I just want to suggest to you that there is a better way to read the Jesus story than that. And it goes like this Jesus Christ never left, He came to be with us, and He's always getting closer. He is working in the world through you. Jesus Christ is now working in you and through you and blessedly even in spite of you. Bishop Ignatius in his letter to the Romans says that now that Jesus Christ is ascended to be with the Father, he is more visible than he was before. What in God's name does that mean? I mean, haven't you, like, didn't you ever think about the opposite being a better scenario? Like, couldn't Jesus have just like, like, if this were all real and not just made up, wouldn't it have just been better for you to like stay put and then everybody could come by and like, you know, see that this was legit and that would be a a thing? Well, no, the way that Jesus Christ works is actually the opposite. No, actually, I'm going to be with the Father, which means that I am now able to be with everyone. By being on the other side of the veil between the visible and the invisible, Jesus Christ is now able to get to all of us at any time. This is why the church keeps getting called the body of Christ. That's why Jesus Christ is more visible in the world today than if he had just stayed put. I mean, if he just stays put, you might wait your whole life for like, a you know, your number to come up and then you get 20 seconds of FaceTime, right? But now Jesus Christ is able to work through all of us in the world. You are the body of Christ. And you are an integral part of the way that Jesus Christ comes closer to the world. Jesus' ministry did not last three years. It never stopped. He is still working in this world, bringing God's dream for the world to bear In us through us and in spite of us. That is the eschatology of Advent. He didn't leave us high and dry and one day we're just gonna cross our fingers and say maybe today is the day. It doesn't actually work that way. Jesus Christ is always and forever coming closer. Like forever. As close as you think Jesus Christ is now, we have a whole eternity of Jesus Christ getting closer and closer to your heart, to your life. And if Jesus Christ is always and forever coming closer, the closer he gets, the more judgment that occurs. Now, I don't not get why that sounds a little and brimstony and scary like you but think it through Jesus Christ is coming closer and the closer he gets the more judgment that occurs that's not something we ought to fear my dear sisters brothers and siblings it ought to actually be something we desire like any good artist A good artist is constantly making judgments on her piece, constantly perfecting it until its final stage. She's constantly making judgments, not because she hates the piece, not because she's trying to destroy the piece, but because she's trying to perfect the piece. And the more involved she gets with her art, the more judgments she's constantly making. But they're not judgments of destruction. They're not judgments like a, you'd go down to the courthouse. They are judgments of an artist lovingly making the piece the best version that the piece can be. This is what's going on with us when we are in Jesus Christ's hands. Jesus Christ does not hate you. Jesus Christ is not out to get you. Jesus Christ is not trying to destroy you. Jesus Christ is perfecting us. Jesus Christ is loving us. And the whole world is being brought into the best version of what we can be in the hands of Jesus Christ. So, judgment is not to be feared, it's to be embraced. Because to be judged by Jesus Christ is to, is to be beheld by Jesus Christ. To be in such close relationship that Jesus Christ is constantly making us more loving, more liberating, and more life-giving. That's what it means to be close to Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ is always coming closer, well, there's always going to be opportunities for us to grow our capacity to be more loving, to be more liberating, and to be more life-giving. And the name for that growth capacity that we have is judgment. That's how you make sense of this language that does occur in the Bible that in the hands of typically loud preachers, <laughs> uh, can do a lot of damage. But properly understood, it invites us into a better way that makes us more human. Now, did you hear the way that the particular judgment came down on us today in Isaiah's text that was read? Isaiah saw Jesus coming, and Isaiah the prophet judged our Obsession with weapons. Now, I know uh, the Episcopal Church sometimes has rightly earned the reputation that we just kind of operate off of like vibes and progressive politics and not taking the Bible seriously, which is to our shame. It really is. But here's the prophet Isaiah saying, You know, when God comes close, like really close to us, and God starts molding us, God starts asking questions like, so why is it that y'all like weapons so much? Why is it that you keep trying to fight each other instead of love each other? Why do you use these tools to harm one another? Now, I know all the language that you have created for yourself to talk about why you do that, but like, really, why? The prophet Isaiah said that God will settle the disputes between nations. The prophet Isaiah talks about Advent and imagines a world where our weapons finally get beat down into gardening tools. That's eschatology. Where is it all going? Where are all the weapons going? What good do weapons have in God's future? What are you going to do with a weapon in the new heavens and new earth? When we all get to heaven, we're going to need a weapon for Prophet Isaiah says, so why, are you, why do you need that now? If, this, if where we're going, you don't need those, why do you need those now? Advent imagines a world where we humans no longer feel a need to kill one another. Who wants to live in that world? Yeah, me too. Advent imagines a world where we humans no longer learn how to make war. It's amazing the ways that we have learned war. And it's too easy and cheap to just say, oh, well, you know, you know, we shouldn't do that. Well, no, we shouldn't. But like, we actually have to think deeply about all the ways that we have learned. We have learned and become masters at war. And not just on a global scale, but just in everyday life. We have learned, we have become students. We have tutored ourselves to making war. And Advent says, You know there's a way of being human where you don't have to be at war with anybody, right? Advent imagines a world where there just are no longer mass shooting headlines. Where people who aren't white or straight get gunned down. Advent imagines a world where our imaginations are no longer addicted to death but are instead opened up to the possibilities of new creation. And that really is a judgment on the way that we have made our lives. And yeah, we're not a fire and brimstone place, but boy, there are just some parts of the way that we have agreed to live as humans in this world that I really do hope just like go away. (laughs) Don't you? (laughs) The hatred, the violence, the strife, Advent says when we get into the hands of Jesus Christ, those almost fantasies of our future can begin to become realities if people like you start acting like it. Church, if Christians like us started saying, we know where this is all going, a loving liberating life-giving future where we are really close with God and really close with one another we can start living as if that future were here today that's what you do with advent you don't wait for the end to show up you start well in the words of Jesus Christ in his sermon today in the gospel that Jason read it's a two ser- it's really only a two-word sermon be prepared Be prepared. And how do you prepare for a world where we no longer need to hurt one another and no longer need to strive against one another, where we no longer need to compete against one another, where we no longer have to fight over resources and power and strength? Be prepared. Jesus is coming, so be prepared to reject evil and injustice and oppression. Be prepared to stay open to the new possibilities and the new opportunities to bear witness to justice and not rest on our own laurels. Be prepared that God is coming closer to us by making space in our lives for other people. Be prepared to be overwhelmed by the love of God by giving love to your neighbor today. Be prepared to find the courage to think about the fragility of life and the inevitability of death today. Be prepared to stay alert, knowing that God in our future is here with us today, which makes today pregnant with possibilities. Jesus says, be prepared to receive the coming one. And that's the whole point of Advent, church. Be ready for all of the ways that Christ is coming in order to be born in you today.